0: You're listening to Popaganda, the feminism and pop culture podcast. Today's theme, insiders, outsiders.
1: Well, I mean, it's, it's definitely an outsider's perspective. It's, it's like, yeah, finding out, going to the motherland and having her reject you.
0: <laughs> That's artist Mari Naomi, whose newest graphic novel is called Turning Japanese. I'm here with Amy Lam. Hi, Amy. Hey, what's going on? <laughs> so you talked to Mari Naomi about her new book.
2: Yeah, I mean she's um she's a really talented artist and uh, writer and she she's put out some award winning books, graphic novels, and uh she has this perspective as growing up biracial in the Bay Area and then sort of like trying to re engage her Japanese heritage by um by being a hostess in Japanese bars. <laughs> so she it, it gives it gives such a really interesting perspective in that way. And she also does great work like outside of her job as an illustrator and artist she's the founder of the cartoonists of color and queer artists databases um, that's like a great place for folks
0: to look for if they're looking for a different perspective so that's like, like a big spreadsheet she maintains online basically where you can enter your name if you're a queer cartoonist of color um, or a cartoonist of color you can go on there put your name and people can find you to hire you for your job it's yeah a cool thing that she does exactly and i had a lot of fun talking to her let's listen to your interview cool I'm so
2: excited to be speaking with uh, artist and illustrator Mari Naomi, whose latest graphic memoir, Turning Japanese, just came out. And uh, I'm so excited to be talking to you about your new book.
1: Thanks. I'm excited to be here.
2: (laughs) Yeah. So it's a really great read. And the way I I understood your book was that like... um, you're trying to better understand like a part of yourself through learning japanese and and in your story uh you're learning japanese by being a hostess at these japanese hostess bars so you begin first in san jose california and then you do the same gig in tokyo um as a way to learn japanese but then you actually end up learning so much so much more
1: yeah i mean i think i don't know i mean I think every young person feels like they don't quite fit in, or if they do fit in, they feel like people don't really know them. And, and my version of not fitting in was because I was half Japanese in a very um, Caucasian area, and I don't know. I guess it was, it, was, well, it was definitely pretty naive to think that I would find some kind of belonging in a foreign country. Um, but, you know, when you're, you're young, you think, oh, well, maybe Japanese people will get me. <laughs> and and that's not necessarily the case when you've grown up in America.
2: <laughs> and and it's so funny because I think that like so how long ago was this when the story happened?
1: The 90s. It was uh 96 and 97, I think. Right. And I think you're you say you're like in your early 20s when this happened, right? Yeah, am so yeah. in my early 40s now. <laughs>
2: and it, and it was so funny cuz um reading it and, and thinking like, wow, it's like such a f- funny young person idea to be like I'm gonna be a hostess in this Japanese bar and that's how I'm gonna like connect to my culture so
1: stupid (laughs) (laughs) but you know I needed the money and I love the idea of I mean I love talking to people I love drinking I love smoking cigarettes and like wow I could do all this and get paid for it and learn Japanese and meet Japanese people what fun this will be so, and, what, and it kind of was yeah
2: so what what were some of like the unexpected things that you ended up learning that you hadn't thought you would learn
1: um I'm still learning this but um but in living that I just I just saw I looked into the culture and just saw this vast chasm like and, and realized that I'll never be Japanese for one thing um let alone understand the Japanese culture entirely but um like, I thought it would be so easy. I thought it was just a matter of, oh, once I can learn the language, then we'll be able to understand each other, and then they could see, you know, my grandparents can see who I really am, and then we'll love each other, and everything's going to be great, and I mean, it didn't occur to me that, oh, maybe maybe they won't like that I'm this rebellious sex pot. <laughs>
2: like i i think that's you just said something really interesting you just said that like you'll never be japanese um Mm -hmm. which is which like as like a as a child of refugee immigrants like growing up who was born and grew up in america like i think that like straddling that line of like um uh, who, who your parents were and, uh, who you're supposed to be under your parents' eyes versus like how you grew up. It's such a hard line to walk sometimes. Um, and when you said that, when you said the phrase, like, Oh, I'll never be Japanese. You you said it in a way where it's like, Oh, it's just a very, it's a fact, you know, (laughs) but like when I heard you say it, it sounded, it was like heartbreaking for me to hear you say it. (laughs) So I'm just wondering if like, um, in, in your coming to understand that, like, what was that like what was that experience like
1: I mean I well the thing is I don't think I really understood what being Japanese was so um like I, I maybe idealized Japan a little bit um, before I really got like got into the culture I, I just didn't understand things um so I mean I don't say it regretfully I, I don't you know'm I'm, I'm, I'm pretty happy with my culture and I'm you know, I'm happy being unique, and it's something, you know, I've kind of had to sit with it for a long time. Um, even my mother, who was born and raised in Japan and then moved to America and now lives in Japan again and has for 10 years, I feel like even she sometimes feels like an outsider. Um, I think especially with the Japanese culture, and I don't know if this is true for a lot of Asian cultures, but I feel like Japanese, the Japanese culture is not super accepting of anyone who's different. Um So that can be a real uh, obstacle for people who want to fit in, but aren't from there or haven't lived there for a long time.
2: I think that's actually a really good point. I think for your story is that like you kind of chose um, to not fit in and to be yourself rather than to try to fit in something that didn't work for you. Yeah.
1: But I thought, you know, I, I, this was the naivety is I thought, that they would love like they oh they'd see that and say oh that's so great you're so brave and different what a great quality
2: <laughs> but without like without uh, like I guess a cultural understanding that like maybe in their cult- cultural context like that isn't something that's celebrated exactly right so uh, another thing that I really thought was interesting in your book is that um, when you're writing the dialogue for when people are speaking Japanese mm-hmm. uh, I was I was looking at the characters and i'm like at first i was like those are i mean because i don't i don't read or write japanese but i know i feel like i know enough about like characters because a, a lot of japanese characters borrow from chinese characters mm-hmm. and i was like those i i am like 99 sure that that isn't japanese <laughs> and then i had to like <laughs> to ask my japanese friends like what's going on here it's <laughs> like what is marina and we doing and i and i was like so I wanted to clarify with you, it's not Japanese characters, right? No, it's all made up. Yeah, so I thought that was like <laughs> a really interesting use of, like, to to show your, like, n- non-understanding of the language.
1: <laughs> like, well, I like, wanted to make sure that someone who does know kanji will understand the book. Because I feel like if you could just read the work and, it's, and y- you understand what it says, like, you're not understanding the outsider's perspective. You're just reading what they're saying.
2: Because you know, when I read it, I was like, this is just squigglies. <laughs> but, but I think that was a really smart choice. Cause like often, um, you know, w- uh, for writers, especially like writers who are using other languages, like their native language or other languages, they have to balance whether or not they want to um, translate it or not, you know, yeah. like, cause then it, it depends on who they're serving and whose story they're telling, and I think that this really served the story that you're, you're telling because it's about you not understanding it, and it's and it was kind of fascinating to like go through the book and and like I really like laser focused in on these like characters.
1: <laughs> it took me a long time to figure out how I was gonna basically translate those feelings. Um, yeah, I that's probably the thing that I spent the one technique that I spent the longest just figuring out for the book. Um, I was, you know, I was like, do I do, make make them different colors, like the text, different colors? Like there there are so many things. And, and um, yeah, I'm pretty happy with how that turned out.
2: Another interesting part about like uh, for your mom not to teach you Japanese, like uh, the language itself, but also cultural, but in particular with the language is that like oftentimes like how we speak a language can really inform us about what the culture is like. Um, so it, it kind of made sense then if, if you feel like your mom doesn't fit into that culture, then she doesn't want to like, you know, I guess, expose that or like share that part with you. Cause maybe she didn't want you to have to deal with that culture as well.
1: That's really generous. That's a nice way to think of it. <laughs> it, it might be true. It, it might actually be true. Um, I do think that she was sort of, she was protecting her parents from, knowing me and that i'm you know kind of rough around the edges but yeah she was i mean whether or not she was protecting them or protecting me i mean it it definitely worked out that way because yeah i would have i mean now i've seen like oh yeah they get get pretty upset when they hear things that they don't want to hear well my grand my grandmother just passed away unfortunately but like my but like i've seen um yeah, especially my grandfather doesn't doesn't take uh things he doesn't approve of very well. And my mom probably, I mean, honestly, she was probably just shielding herself from it because <laughs> he would blame her most likely. Oh wow, yeah. I mean, I, I can't say it again. It's all speculation. <laughs> yeah, it's so it's so hard
2: to like because there's like a language barrier, there's a culture barrier, it's generational barrier. There's like so much yeah.
1: going on in there. There's um, so much. That I, you know, my mom is I. Because I didn't know a lot of Japanese people, I always, you know, thought my mom's quirks were my mom's quirks. But, you know, as I as I get older and meet more Japanese people, particularly more people with Japanese moms, I realize, oh, wait, these quirks are kind of actually in my friend's mom's. <laughs> this is not completely unique. I mean, she's a unique person, don't get me wrong. But certain things that I thought were very particular to her are not...
0: That was artist and author Mari Naomi. Her newest book is called Turning Japanese. She was talking with Amy Lamb.